0: right thank you so much everyone this is our final session for the 2020 virtual convention for gdui my name is andrea judici and i'm the convention coordinator i have an amazing team that helped make all this happen thank you up front to maria you've been an amazing um person to help make all this run smoothly you could definitely do this professionally you're amazing i have um an exciting report about, and I know we were supposed to wait to the end, but I decided not to. We have just randomized the raffle tickets. We have a winner. Andrea, before you do that, do you want me to give the CEU code oh. n- now
1: or after the raffle? Get, well, shall I just do it now? do it now. Okay. So thank you. So I know you have to, I have to hold the suspense a little longer for you to find out the winner, but, (laughs) um, but the, uh, so this is the, the session of CEU credits for those of you who Registered for continuing education when you registered for the convention. If you paid for the continuing education option, here is the starting code. There will be an ending code as well at the end. Of course, I'm going to repeat the starting code twice and then I will not be able to repeat it again. So, this is a five character code, a mixture of letters and numbers, and not case sensitive. The starting CEU code is the number five, the letter C as in Charlie, the numbers five, four, nine. Again, that is the number five, the letter C as in Charlie, the numbers five, four, nine.
0: Back to thank you, Andrea. You. Thank you so much. So, our winner of Zoom, the plush guide dog in harness, who is a German Shepherd dog, is Judy Davis from Asheville, North Carolina. And thank you to everyone who bought raffle tickets, no matter whether uh, obviously only one person was able to win, but all of that money is so important and helpful to all the work that we do here at GDUI. Judy, congratulations, and we will be in touch with you through email to finalize how to get Zoom home to your house. It's funny, as I've been you know, sitting in on these meetings, and I keep hearing Maria say, mute yourself and unmute yourself, and I realize that. This is going to be the new refrain from my younger brothers. Mute yourself. It's sort of like when we used to Google ourselves. Um, Before you get started, Katie, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited about this presentation. Penny, I know that you want to say a few words at the end of the session. Do you have anything that you want to say now, or should we get right into the the meat of this um, presentation?
2: Hey, Andrea, let's just get started with this fascinating presentation. And then I just want to say a couple things at the end. And congratulations I, to
3: Judy! And thank I know, you. No, it's so exciting! I couldn't. To wait everyone you who did. bought tickets.
0: All right, hey, you
3: you're on. Yep. Okay. So my name is Katie Mertens, and I am a pet, a nationally certified pet massage therapist, located just outside of Chicago, Illinois. I've gone through all the training to be a pet massage therapist, and I've probably completed over 500 hours of other healing type modalities. Um, I've been in business for, as a pet massage therapist, for about 10 years. Um, It's been an interesting journey because it's not the most popular thing now, and it definitely wasn't the most popular thing then, but I definitely think people are really starting to understand the importance of taking care of our dog's bodies so it's, it's really very exciting. Um, I will, because I'm sure people want this, I will talk about some general massage tips a little bit later on towards the end of the talk. And then if you have more questions, I am more than happy to answer them. So I lost my vision about 20 years ago. Um, I developed diabetic retinopathy. I, I don't think the doctors thought I was going to lose as much vision as I did, but That's just how it is. Um, I'm legally blind, so I do have some vision. I'm kind of caught in that in-between place. At the time, I was an early childhood special ed teacher. I had been a teacher for about 12 years. Um, I, I went back to school even after I lost my vision. I got my master's. So it was really, it was, well, that was a big deal for me because when I first lost my vision, um, it was just, I'm sure many, many of you understand, it was a really, really scary time for me. And I, I didn't know if I was going to be able to go back and work with these little kids, especially that had such severe disabilities anymore. Um, um, after about, I don't know, it was probably in my second year of my vision loss, I decided to get a guide dog. Um I went to Guide Dogs for the Blind, and it completely changed my life. Um, that four weeks there was an incredible and empowering time for me. So I came home, and she was my constant companion. She came to school with me every day. Um, and then when she was about five years old, she developed a what they labeled as a terminal disease. She developed myelofibrosis, which is a disease in which um, she was destroying her own red blood cells. And the vets put her on heavy doses of steroids simply to make her comfortable. We got her blood transfusions. I mean, we did whatever we could to help her. And a friend of mine asked me if I had ever tried acupuncture for her. And I had not. I had a little bit done on myself. Um, and they, they gave me the name of a vet who they told me, you know, she's really good. And of course, probably just like all of you, I would have done anything for her. So we started getting her acupuncture and this, vet was very funny. She's like, Oh, come on, this is nothing. And I thought, what, you know, <laughs> everybody else is telling me she's not going to make it. So we started an intensive routine of acupuncture for her. Um, I went to a very small vitamin shop in the area and the man that owned it looked up her disease and he helped me pick out some supplements, which, you know, in hindsight, you kind of go, huh, was that the smartest thing? I don't know. But I didn't know of any holistic vets at the time. And I just wanted to try anything. Um, But sure enough, she slowly, was getting better and better and even her traditional her western vets were just cheering her on and they were really surprised because when i told them i was doing acupuncture for her they kind of you know well you can do it but don't get your hopes up so my girl fairway lived to the ripe old age of 15 and a half so she uh She is the one that began me on my journey of more of the holistic and healing modalities for dogs. Um, I developed a kidney disease that is triggered by a respiratory infection. So my nephrologist said to me that teaching, especially being around young children with special needs, really was not a good idea for me. And that took a lot of convincing because I didn't know what I was going to do with the rest of my life. And I didn't want to go back to college. That just sounded so daunting to me. And I'd already done that. And it was, um, it was a pretty rough time for me. And so I was at the vet one day with Fairway, her traditional vet. And she was getting older and she was getting arthritis. And... I asked her vet what we could do. I I really didn't want to put her on meds because she had liver issues because of all the steroids she had been put on. And sometimes those pain meds can be rough on the kidneys or liver. Well, both. Um, And so the vet actually said to me, well, why don't you try massage? And I did what pretty much everybody does, you know, looked at her like she was crazy. And I was like, What? You know, massage massage for dogs? Are you crazy? And um, then I kind of just stopped and thought about it. And I thought, wow, that really makes a lot of sense because I know if I have pain or I pull a muscle or just in general, when my muscles are really, really tight. I know how much massage helps me, you know? And then I was like, wow, I'm like, that is the coolest job in the world. You get to hang with dogs, you know, that I was just all for it. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. And so I left, I I walked out of the office and went out into the waiting room and, um, picked up a magazine and I opened it and, um, inside was a big article on pet massage. And I was kind of like, okay, so now, you know, there's a double whammy right in the face, you know, this is a a sign, I had a sign. So I I thought about it. And I went home, and I started researching pet massage, and, um, you know, how I could do it. And I googled it. And I found a school because you You do have to go to school for this, kind of like a person massage therapist. And I found a school where you did the majority of the book work at home, which was perfect for me because, A, you know, I didn't have to go away to school and spend a ton of money on that part of it. But also, I could put everything on the computer and and enlarge everything and make it easier on myself with my vision loss. Um, so that's what I did. And then I traveled out to Oregon for intensives. So you would do all the book work. And then I traveled out to Oregon for these intensives. I had friends in Oregon, which also was such a gift. Um, and then that's how I started on my journey. Um, I took the board's I don't know, a number of years ago. So now I can say I'm nationally certified, which I feel is really important. So that was kind of how I got into all the pet massage. Um, And and I think one of the most interesting things and one of the things I hear the most is people are always saying, well, you know, boy, you must be a lot more intuitive because of your vision loss. And who knows? I, I don't. Um, you know, so it's kind of a funny question. I think, you know, that's just automatically where people go. So it, it kind of makes me chuckle, but you know, if, if it helps me, I'm all for it. So I know what this is mainly about is my going to the Iditarod. Um, I, you know, as most of you, probably, I love dogs. And, um, last summer, I took a trip to Alaska. It was, I think, my third trip to Alaska. I just, Alaska's amazing. And, um, but it was the first time I went to one of the Iditarod kennels. Many of the mushers in the summer and some even in the winter offer, um, you know, like what they consider rides. So you go there and, and of course it costs money, but you go, you get to meet the dogs and, the dogs are incredible. They're sweet and friendly and excited and happy. So you get to go out, you get to mess around with the dogs. And then because it was the summer, the musher hooked the dogs up to, I describe it as almost like a stroller. It was a double seat, one behind the other, and it had wheels. And you sat in this very comfortable seat and the dogs were hooked up just as if they're pulling a sled in the winter and you, you go for a ride. And, um, I mean, to watch these dogs, when the, the stroller, the sled is pulled out, they go crazy crazy they're jumping they're barking they are just beyond excited um and then when they're hooked up they're the same they're barking they're jumping let's go let's go so it was really an incredible experience um the musher this was the the kennel i went to was called the 17th dog um he couldn't have been nicer answered all our questions and one of the most surprising things about the dogs is they are not Alaskan Malamutes and they are not Siberian Huskies. They are basically a very, very finely bred mutt. Um, they are a mix of dogs that have been very, very specifically bred for you know probably hundreds of years to be sled dogs. They have the temperament, They want to pull. They want to run. They have very thick coats, but not too thick so that they get hot. Um, They have great endurance. They're strong dogs. And all the ones I have met have had wonderful temperaments. I didn't meet one that was mean. I know it used to be the story that you couldn't Um, at least I heard rumors you couldn't pet the dogs because they weren't pets. They were, you know, they were there to just do a job and they were mean. Well, not these dogs. Um, So it's, it's really fascinating to learn all of that and to watch these dogs that love to do this. And it, it made me think about service dogs, about guide dogs, because Guide dogs, that's what they're bred for, or service dogs. They are bred to to do this job, and they love their job, you know? And when they don't love it anymore, you know this because they tell you. I mean, Fairway did that to me loud and clear. She just stopped one day, and I'm like, well, okay, we're done. But, um, you know, and, and that's the same thing with the sled dogs. If they don't want to run, if they don't want to pull – they stop and it, well, it's given me a lot of food for thought because I was working on a dog a few months ago and a client said to me, she was um, talking about the Iditarod and how it was cruel and things like that. Um, and then she talked about guide dogs and those poor guide dogs, they never get to play. They have a terrible life. And and I looked at her and I said, what are you talking about? I'm like, you know, I don't know where you heard that or where you read that, but that is a hundred percent false. And so it's just the whole education around all of this is really important because I, I was like, no, you take that harness off of a guide dog. And, um, it, and you know, they're cuckoo. I remember my girl loved to play and run. And so it's, you know, a lot of education around all of these different things. Um, so I'm sorry, I think I got off track. But so after going to Alaska and going to the, um, the kennel, I thought, you know what, I want to come back. I want to be a part of this race. It it just really moved me. So I came home and I started researching the Iditarod and all of the mushers and and I sent out emails introducing myself introducing my business um and after emails I sent letters and after letters I made phone calls um I heard back from two female mushers immediately and that was enough to get me you know making my plane reservations and it it was interesting because they are the only two I heard back from, but I learned a lot about mushers. Um, But on my journey, a friend decided, well, I needed someone to come with me because obviously I needed a driver. So we made all these plans. We flew to Alaska, um, stayed with a friend in Anchorage, and then rented a little cabin up in Wasilla, which is north of Anchorage, which is where the Iditarod headquarters are. And, um, I went up there and I worked with the mushers, these two women who were phenomenal women. And, um, the fun part was I have a friend who's in public relations and he sent out a press release for me. And he very specifically said to me, Katie, I'm not going to talk about your vision because that's not the point of this trip. And and I agreed with him, but a couple of reporters got back to me. And when they found out about the vision, it was (laughs) was like the icing on the cake. This girl's from Chicago and she's working on the dogs and she's visually impaired. Now, I think what you have to remember about Alaska, it's a giant state, but a small population. And they've been doing the Iditarod, you know, since the 70s. So anything new is very exciting to them. Um, and I think we have a clip. You can hear the audio from one of the TV interviews. Dogs was last summer when I came up here and I went to one of the kennels to go on a sled ride, and I just fell in love with the dogs, and
4: I thought, God, what an awesome opportunity. So Merton sent out letters to mushers, offering her services as a professional massage therapist. Just looking for any mushers who wanted their dogs to be worked on by a professional massage therapist, and I thought it
3: sounded like a great idea. And...
4: As soon as I got an answer yes, I said I'm doing it. She came all the way from Chicago, and in just three days of working with the dogs, she has formed a bond with them. You should do it yesterday. I knew you could. I knew it. You're a superstar. Much like in massaging people, she looks for tension built up in the larger muscles first.
3: So here, going along the spine, is the longest muscle in the body.
4: Merton's work comes with challenges. She is legally blind, so she spends more time talking and listening to the dogs to find where it hurts.
3: And dogs are great communicators, but I really, really try to focus in and, you know, listen really well and feel their bodies, like if I feel a muscle spasm, to know that something's going on. And I need to be aware of that, and I need to be aware of how the dog's reacting to that.
4: This is Elway and after an hour of his massage, he went to sleep. For Hendrickson, the power of healing touch hits home.
5: Well, I got injured really badly several years ago um, and I have
3: a lot of scar tissue and a lot of soft tissue damage and without massage on a really regular basis, I just, I'm not functional so it's, um, I know it works for me and it
4: definitely can help the dogs. Just feeling for both women and for Hendrickson's dogs, their connection seems ordered oh. order. Reporting in Willow, Michelle White, Your Alaska Link.
3: So that was that was one of the interviews, and it was uh, it was such it, it's such a you know a great thing. I still giggle about it because it's so not me. But um, so Karen Hendrickson, she is a musher. She. Has been doing it for many years, and the mushers—they are a incredibly strong group of people. The Iditarod itself is a thousand miles, and it starts the first Saturday of March. Um, and the only the mushers have their sled and their dogs. They It has now been that they can only have 14 dogs. It used to be 16 and now it's 14. Um, They carry what they can on their sleds. I think there's a limit of 50 pounds of equipment and there are checkpoints along the way. Um, I think the furthest checkpoint is about 70 miles and all of the mushers are required to go to the checkpoint and check in and uh, talk to a vet. So there are volunteer vets at every checkpoint and every dog gets checked out because um, the Iditarod and the mushers have gotten bad press about abuse to dogs and how these dogs, you know, don't like doing this and, you know, are cruel So every dog does get checked out at every checkpoint. Um, If there is even the slightest question of a dog's health, the dog is pulled from the race (laughs) and then flown back to Anchorage on a little plane. So um, if it happens between checkpoints, the musher has to put the dog on the sled and the dog gets pulled to the next checkpoint The dogs are required to wear booties the entire race. And so many of the mushers carry over a thousand boots with them because as I'm sure we all know, the dogs kick the boots off and the boots need to be replaced immediately. So um, I know one of the mushers, she, uh, she, She's young. She's in her twenties and graduated from college not too long ago. And she enlisted the drama department and costume department to help her make the boots. So, um, yeah, it is incredible the amount of care these dogs get. And it's one thing that I have been really trying to talk to people about because of all of the bad press these dogs get. Um, You know, I'm sure there's no denying that there's been mushers in the past that didn't treat their dogs the best. But, you know, there's a bad apple in every bunch. I mean, we have plenty of examples about that today. Everything I saw, these dogs are golden. I mean, they even get to go in the house at the mushers house if they're not feeling well. And um, so the race, it's the mushers sleep outside so do the dogs and it's fascinating because the way the dogs keep warm in the snow is they dig a hole way down to the grass and they curl themselves up and if it's snowing in the morning all you'll see is a little hole with steam coming out of it um, from the dogs and one of the mushers told me this is how you know the dog is keeping himself warm because if the snow melts, that means the dog's giving off heat and not keeping the heat in his or her body. Um, and the dogs, they love the cold. I mean, this is what they are born to do. So the race goes like, even it goes across the Bering sea The, the mushers have to go. If, if the shoreline is not frozen, they go right along the coastline with the dogs and it goes up to Nome, Alaska, um, which is a little village. It goes through a lot of small villages and the villagers welcome the people and oftentimes will cook for them. And um, it, it's really wonderful. It, it was interesting because when I was talking to Karen, the one musher, And talking about, you know, not hearing back from a lot of mushers, I said, you know, I get it. They don't know me. And I am asking to come and work on their dogs just prior to the biggest event of the year. It's like asking an Olympic athlete, you know, the day before their competition, hey, you want a massage from me, even though you don't know me? I, I, I get that. It would be like, yeah, no, I don't know you and I don't want you to hurt me. Cause I don't know that you know what you're doing. But what Karen also told me is that the mushers are um, very leery of outsiders because of all of the bad press. So that was a whole new way for me to look at it because here I am writing these letters. They don't know if I'm part of an organization that's trying to come in and then gonna spread stories or lies or anything like that, you know? And so that's, that was really very interesting to me because I never thought of that. Um, So that, yeah. um, I do know during the race, there was one musher, And he was at a checkpoint and his dog started crying. So he called the vet over and the dog was having bloat and the vet said, Oh my God, you know, we got to operate immediately because gas was building up. I think it was bloat or a twisted intestine and, um, they could not do surgery at the checkpoint they were at because it was just too small of a checkpoint. They didn't have the surgical options. And so the vet was able to find the correct spot on the dog's belly to make a small incision and let let the gas out. So the dog was comfortable temporarily and they had to get a snowmobile. They called ahead to the next to the checkpoint they were going to for the surgery. They got a snowmobile. They hooked up the musher sled, the vet, the musher and the dog drove to the next checkpoint. And when they got there again, they relieved the pressure and the dog was doing okay. So they were actually able to fly her back to Anchorage, you know, where the big facilities are And she was fine. But I think what really touched me the most was this musher. He was, there was a very short interview with him on TV was that he broke down on TV talking about this instance. And it just really drove home that these mushers, they really, really love their dogs. I mean, they, you know, here's this young studly guy and he's being interviewed on TV, and he has to turn away to kind of collect himself. So it was just such a huge learning experience for me, and I just, I, I think it, it's given me such an appreciation for this crazy sport. I mean, it's 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 incredible. I I don't think you could pay me enough money to go racing across Alaska on a sled, you know, with a tent, maybe, um, you know, a thousand miles in the bitter cold. (laughs) So these are some very tough people, Um, you know, and you had rookies, young guys, and I want to say the oldest guy, was in his late seventies. Now he did drop out early, but the conditions this past year were some of the worst they've ever seen because of, um, there was so much snow. It was blizzarding, I think almost nonstop and, um, you know, versus the year before when they had almost no snow. So I think this gentleman who was a bit older, it was, just rough. I think this past year, a third to a half of the mushers had to drop out because of you know the weather conditions. Or um, I know a couple of them. One, I, I know for sure one of them had to throw up a you know an emergency call, which they can do um, because he was lost in the blizzard a group of mushers that were all um, experienced mushers got to a point and they couldn't get around this massive, I think it was like an ice block or something. So they had to call for help, which is an automatic you're out of the race. So it was just crazy. Karin, the musher I worked with the most, She dropped out, I think, after about 700 miles. And she said to me, and I was just so pleased, um, she said to me that she did not have a single injury until mile 600, which was just such a, I was so ecstatic because some of her dogs she was a little worried about because they just weren't performing at the top of their game prior to the race. So um, I know she was thrilled about that too. So it really, really made me pretty pleased. Um, I'm trying to think about any other I did details. They do what's called, this is very, very fun. Um, they have a big mushers banquet the Thursday before the race in Anchorage. And it's where they draw the numbers for the start of the race. So it's not a mass start, like a marathon. Mushers start, it's every like every five minutes, something like that. Um, so they draw their numbers and all the mushers speak. And so that's the big Alaska musher banquet. And then the Saturday before the race, they do what's called a false start in Anchorage. So the mushers are all in downtown Anchorage and the streets are all closed off. And um, people bid to ride on the sled through Anchorage and um, the mushers. They are in their their lineup like they would at the the real start, and they go through downtown Anchorage. You know the dogs are pulling them, and and it was so much fun, and it was so cold. Um, but it's fun, you know. You get to see the dogs in action, and they're crazy. It is <laughs> when it starts. It is almost deafening with the dogs jumping and barking and. It's just a blast. And then um, after that, that's done, later in the afternoon, you can run with the reindeer, which is just, you know, like a, you know, two mile run and the reindeer are running down the street. Um, they are not like the bulls. They are not out to get you. They just want to run and go home. But they're very sweet. Um, so that's that's a really good time uh, in Anchorage you know, just prior to the race. And then the race is the next Sunday and it's back up in Wasilla. Um, and it starts in the afternoon and it's a huge gathering. And that's when the mushers take off and go. And so um, I know some people follow them on snowmobiles just for part of it. And um, so that's a good time. And one thing I had no idea about was that, um, moose are mean moose for as cute as they are and they're on every you know thing in alaska they are mean and you don't mess with a moose and i was like oh come on look at those legs you know they're they have like this ginormous body and toothpick legs but they will attack and they attack to kill um, and oftentimes in the winter, it's the females and they're out with their babies. And as someone put it, they're hangry. They are very hungry because there's not a lot of vegetation for them to eat. And this makes them really crabby and they're protecting their babies. So many mushers, they have to be really, really leery of the moose. Um, I know when I was at Karn's working on some of the dogs, Her handler came into the garage where I was working and he he sat down. He's like, I can't do anything. There's a moose on the property. And the moose just hung out for hours. And you really, you cannot do anything if there's a moose nearby. Um, One story a woman told me was that (laughs) there was a moose hanging out at the elementary school. So the sheriff went over to the elementary school and you know, of course everybody was inside and he turned on his lights and sirens and the moose attacked the car and totaled it. So, you know, word to the wise, avoid the moose. Um, Those are just a few stories about the Iditarod, you know, it, and I think one of the biggest things that stood out for me working on the dogs with my vision, you know, that can be a little challenging sometimes. I mean, like I said, in the video, I am so hyper aware of where a dog's face is and if they, you know, make any kind of movement or noise, because I have to gauge that. Ooh, is that a little sign of that hurts or, you know, I'm not liking that. One of the other huge challenges in Alaska, at least this past year, was the amount of snow. Everything was white, 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 white. And I, <laughs> I know I had a few topples into snowbanks because you just, it was a little blinding. <laughs> um, okay. So now I want to talk a little bit about general massage stuff. So as a massage therapist, I utilize just like a human massage therapist, um, a lot of different techniques and ways to work on the body. So, For example, with the Iditarod dogs, since I wasn't working on them right before the race, and when I mean right before the race, I mean like an hour before the race, I was working to work on conditioning with them. I was doing a lot of stretching with them. I was feeling for areas that were tight and possibly sore so I could release those areas. Um, I was working to help their endurance and open up their rib cages and things like that. If, if it had been right before the race, I mean, you know, an hour, minutes, whatever, it's a totally different massage. It's, um, working to get that blood flowing fast, getting them ramped up, getting those muscles really warmed up. So they are ready to go. So, I mean, there's just different techniques. So, One of my favorite strokes um, or techniques to use, and I I really encourage you guys to do this, is it sounds very, very simple, but it's one of the best things you can do for your dog at any time. If you start in the corner of the eye, go up the head um, and go down the entire body about, Uh, two inches from the spine with a flat hand, just using your fingers, you know, don't bend your fingers, straight hand, not a deep pressure, but also not like a light tickly pressure, just enough pressure um, that you can just kind of feel your dog's body. So you go all the way down the spine next to the spine, about two inches from the spine, go all the way back down the back leg, and into the toe and just if you do this a number of times and you can even use the palm of your hand what you're doing is you're you're kind of stretching that giant muscle that runs there that's just a huge muscle in the body you're getting the blood to flow there you're warming the dog up and it's such a big muscle that if that muscle is tight in the hips it's going to affect the back and then the back's going to affect the neck and the shoulders and so on and so on. So that's a really easy, great thing to do with your dog. If your dog is anxious, um, say at the vet, during fireworks, during a storm, there's a couple of really great things you can do. The first one is lightly put your finger between your dog's eyes. And you just kind of hold it there very lightly, um, just a very, very gentle pressure. And then what I like to do is run my finger back to the center of the head. And if you were to draw a line from the front of each ear, so right in the front of the ears to the center of the head, Right there is another great calming point. So what I'll do is, you know, I'll put my fingers between the eyes and then I'll, you know, after like, you know, 20 seconds, I'll rub my finger back to that center point and I'll either leave my finger there or just kind of lightly scratch on that spot. Now, if your dog... It is, you know, ha, no, don't do this to me. Don't, don't force it. Because I've worked with dogs that are sometimes, if they are really anxious, they're in that fight or flight mode. And if you try to calm them down, it's just going to make them more anxious because they're trying to, they, they just feel hyper aware. And, and that's a point where you have to go, okay, you know, let's just step back a minute. And make sure when you're doing this, talk to your dog in a very low, slow voice, you know, because I know there's times when my dog's upset. I'll be like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. You're fine. You're fine. Well, that's just going to excite the dog more. So keep it low and slow. And another thing I find this on myself is that breathe, always breathe. And, you know, when somebody said that to me when I was learning, I'm like, well, what are you talking about? Breathe. But there are times, you know, I find myself holding my breath. And so I'll always take a deep breath with the dog. And a lot of times the dog will look at me like, oh, yeah, deep breath. (laughs) So that's really important. Um, Rub your dog's chest. The chest is just, you know, or sometimes I just put my hand on the chest because it's just a way to kind of connect the body. And it just, that light pressure helps the dog to calm down a little. The final calming point I want to tell you about is if you go to the hind end between the hips, there's a little divot. It's in the low back, right between those hips. Scratch that scratch that area. And that's another point to kind of help your dog calm down. Um, Most of them love it because they love having their butt scratched, but this is a totally different intention. And and that's one thing too, like set your intention when you're doing this, you know, okay, I I really want to help you calm down, you know, and just set your intention. So you just scratch that little area between the hips. Those three points are three of my absolute favorite points um I I use them in almost every massage just simply so the dog gets centered and focused and is calm. Um another point I want to tell you about is um in the back leg if you go all the way down to that very thin area in the hock in the back of the leg it's that that area, it's like where our Achilles is. Um, it's that area that's very thin skin and just gently hold like right in the center of that area. Don't pinch it. It's not tight. It's a very, very gentle hold. And if your dog pulls away or moves away, don't push it, try again later. But what this point is known to do is to help pain in the hind end. Um, I, it's really a cool point. I've seen dogs. I have seen dogs that when I'm working on them and I know they have hind end pain and I gently hold this point afterwards, they just relax. So I hold that point for about 20 or 30 seconds. Um, Do it at night when my dog is calm and relaxed and going to sleep. And again, if they pull away, try it again at another time. So yeah, those are a few of my favorite things. Um, does anybody have any questions?
1: All right. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, you can raise your hand at this time. That is Alt Y on PC, Option Y on Mac, the Raise My Hand button on your mobile device screen, or uh, Star Nine if you are dialing in on the phone. And let's see here. We do have a raised hand, and Pam, you're going to be first.
0: This is going to sound real stupid. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. Is anybody besides me having problems? The words that she says make sense, but my brain isn't quite sure. It's getting the right transfer information. To, I'm like, you mean right here? Like where? Yeah, I, I, wonder, I wonder. I wonder,
1: Katie, uh, right. if. Can we maybe I wonder because these are these sound like really amazing tips. I wonder if maybe we could like in written form, maybe. And if Andrea, if you're no, okay with that's
0: the not. To distribute. It's going to be the oh. same words. The, uh, <laughs> okay. The words. No, I just want to find out if anybody. Maybe I have a mental disorder because I know I used to be a massage therapist. I know about massage on people, but I learned where somebody showed me here, right here. You do this. Not by reading words or hearing words. So for yeah. some reason, I don't do good with this.
1: Oh, you're fine. Well, we're not going to be able to unmute any folks to oh, unmute you know, or then? not. But I think maybe um, I, you know, apologize that we, we can't do hands on, of course, in this format. But I don't know. Oh, maybe, I know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, Katie, if you can maybe try and describe some of the points, yeah. like the point on yeah. the hind in a different way, perhaps. Do
3: you, do you have any vision? Can you see a video no, I'm. I'm okay. Totally blind. okay, so let's go through it slower. I mean, I'm a talk fast, I'm a fast talker. So the one is between the eyes. that's the first one. If you put your finger, you know it's right above where the snout comes out, right between the eyes. That's the first point. And you can very gently rub that you can just gently put your finger on that point, okay. whatever you think feels good.
1: Okay. She has just saying, okay oh, Katie, she has been muted so that we can move uh, okay. forward, but so then, why don't you just keep
3: going? And Okay. Yep. So then the next spot on the head is if you put your fingers in front of your dog's ears and you go up their head to the top of the head, to the crown of the head, up on top, Where your fingers meet is usually a little divot or a little bump. It could be either. That's another point that if you very gently scratch that point, it's a great calming point. And what I like to do is take my finger from right between the eyes and go up to that center point in the head and just kind of rub down and up. And then the third one, and again, if you don't hit these points exactly, that's not a big deal. I think it's also all about your intention and you're trying to help your dog. But the last point is in the low back, in the very back, right between those hip bones. So if you can find your dogs, you know, kind of where they... Come up, you can feel your dog's hip bones, or it's the hind legs. You can feel the top of the hind legs. Kind of right back there between the top of the hind legs, there's probably a little divot. If there's not, just do a general scratch back there. And that's another really good calming area. I hope that helped. Okay.
1: Great. Thank you for that. Next, we have Christina, and you should be able to unmute yourself.
5: Hi, Katie. This is wonderful. I was just trying on my seeing-eye dog, Shasta. The one, I think, I wasn't sure if I, because she was, she, she licked me, so she liked it, but the one where you go from the spine, you go from the top of the spine all the way down to the the bottom of her, let's say her right leg. So you go down the right side from her head or her spinal down her, her hip to her paw, right? Like between her toes.
3: Yeah, exactly. And what I do is you don't, Try not to touch the spine. I mean, I don't know. I hate when people touch my spine because it's such a sensitive area.
5: Like I was pushing with my palm, my hand on her spine a little bit or.
3: No, go about two inches from the spine an inch to two inches, you know, outside the spine, right or left of the spine, Mm -hmm. you know, right. If you're on the right hand side and it's just, it's a gentle, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. Um, she wasn't, it was a game (laughs) and they, you know what? That's okay. That's okay. I mean, she might be like, okay, what are you doing? And right now is a terrible time for this, but you know, you might find later on, um, she'll be like, Oh yeah, this is all good. She did kiss
5: me, so she was happy about it. And then the other thing is that I do buy her eyes. Like, I take my hand, my palm of my hand, just below her eyes, like where her head is, and she likes that. If I go from that to the back of her head, yeah, she likes
3: that, too. Yeah, no, that's great, because what's interesting about dogs is when they're young, they carry... Um, 40% of their weight in the back and 60% in the front. And as our dogs age, they start carrying more and more of their weight in the front. They, they turn into pullers and they don't push as much with the hind end. And that's why, you know, as a dog ages, you see more hind end issues, but as they use their front end more, the neck and the head and the shoulders get tighter, So, you know, I'm always looking at my, I have a senior who's 16 and I'm like, oh, I wonder if you have a headache because I know if my shoulders get tight, I get a headache.
1: (laughs) All right. Thank you, Christina. Next, we have a phone number ending in uh, 7963 and you are unmuted.
2: Aloha, Katie. This is Vicki from Hawaii. Nice. And I think this is a terrific, terrific workshop, and my third guide dog is Buddy, that's his name, and he is enjoying the massage, <laughs> uh, but Katie, Katie, I want to ask you, what is the difference between the T-Touch, mm. which we kind of touched on over at Guide Dogs for the mm-hmm. Blind in class, mm-hmm. and the Pet Massage?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so T-Touch is a different modality. In, I mean, it's a body work. It's a healing modality. It's an awesome modality. But from what in T-Touch, you're doing small circles. You're moving the skin. Um, mm-hmm. And I believe behind the, the theory behind the T-Touch, I don't know a lot about it, just enough to make myself dangerous is that you're working, you know, to help the nervous system and the emotional system and things like that. Um, in massage, massage does do that, you know, because massage will calm down the nervous system and things like Mm -hmm. that. But it also works on manipulating the soft tissue and stretching the tissues and the muscles and the ligaments you know, that to try is. and loosen them or stretch them. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just it's another modality. It's another healing modality. Um right. and I love T Touch and it's something I'm hoping to learn more about. And I'm sure since you're in Hawaii, it's all right there. <laughs> yeah, right. <It> is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um but I you find know that's kind it's of the more- big difference.
2: Yeah, oh I know. You're right. You're, you're right. And All I right. find it more soothing for myself when mm-hmm. I give uh, Buddy this massage. So thank mm-hmm. you, Katie.
3: <laughs> sure, you're welcome.
2: Okay,
1: thank you, Vicki. We have next, we have Tony. And Tony, you should be able to unmute yourself. Okay, yes. Wonderful um,
3: presentation. I learned a lot. Now, as far as these massages, um, holistically... Um, what can they help the dog, you know, when they get older, like if they don't feel good, what what are some of the holistic things that these massages are for, if that makes sense? I mean sure. no, it, it absolutely does. So in my practice, I see a lot of senior dogs because of um, the the pain, the arthritis. Um, the muscle wasting, especially in the hind end. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, with the senior dogs using their front end more, the front end, the neck and the shoulders get so much tighter. So it's a lot for that. But I also see a lot of dogs for anxiety um, because massage can help calm the nervous system. It'll take that fight or flight. And try and calm it down, you know, your sympathetic and your parasympathetic nervous right. system. It's it's all about trying to calm those And relax, down. right, yep. and relax yep. them. So regardless what age, but I yes. know arthritis plays, and then I'll leave. Uh, yes. Arthritis plays a big part as they get older, and you want to make yes. your dog as comfortable as you can. Yes. Okay. And I've had, you know, m- many people tell me that after the massage, their dog is doing better because it's it is it's all about trying to relax not only the area that has the arthritis, but where they're compensating because of the arthritis. Thank you. So, right. You know, it is it's a holistic approach because you really are working on the entire body.
1: All right. Thank you, Tony. All right. We have a phone number ending in 4640. That was a lot of 4s and isn't that? <laughs> A
2: couple of fours threw me off there. <laughs> 4640. Oh, go ahead. Hi, gang. Betty Passanati from Philadelphia. And this has been a fabulous presentation, particularly about the race in Alaska and the cold weather and all that. <laughs> but the question I have, you know, when you found that your dog was getting the arthritis, I know you talked about how that was, that sort of encouraged you to try massage therapy, but... While you were looking for the school and all of that, did you try
0: mm-hmm.
3: sort of
2: informal or, or self taught or just massage on your own, massage a little bit to, to see if that would help your dog?
3: You know, just a little tiny bit because I, I didn't really know what I was doing. And I had this fear of, oh my God, I don't want to hurt her. Now, so yeah, I did not do a lot, but as I was learning and doing the book work, and reading about the different strokes, that's when I started to do it. Um, and again, that's just me because I have people say to me all the time, Oh, I massage my dog at home, which I think is fantastic. I think it's, you know, it's really awesome. But I also think there's a difference because of the number of hours and all the experience I have. So like when I do hands-on workshops, I really, really encourage people to never, ever go deep because you could really hurt your dog by doing that. I mean, um, you know, a lot of times your dog may look like, oh my God, that feels so good, but it could end up causing pain later on. So, um, yeah, you know, I, 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 God, I don't think I did do much. I think I was like, oh, I just need to go learn this.
0: <laughs> Maria, this is Andrea. I know I'm, I, I can't raise my, well, I don't know if I can raise my hand, but I'm unmuted. I no, have, oh, I oh yes, question. you can as a panelist, but yes, go ahead if you want to jump okay, in. Okay, thank you. Katie, I have, um, I was told once that it is not good to massage a dog that has cancer or specifically the areas, like if a dog has a cancerous it, yeah. lung. That right. is accurate, yes or no? Yeah,
3: yes. It, from what I understand, yes. Um, I always, if a dog's coming to me and they have cancer, I will talk to the vet. It's kind of, I think, kind of a thin ice area because I think you really need to understand the cancer. And if it's, you know, if it's going to travel or, anything like that. I mean, I did like, I recently had a client come to me and her dog had a giant tumor on his jaw. And, but she came to me because she knew she was going to have to put him down very soon. So there were no concerns in, is this going to hurt? Is anything going to happen if I do this now? I didn't touch the tumor, but I, I think that's an area that that really needs to be talked over with a vet. I have had dogs come to me, and people are like, "You know, I just I want my dog comfortable because this is the route we're going. We're not treating it." And I think that's kind of a different story. But it's always a discussion,
1: okay. Next, we have a phone number ending in. 8904 and you are unmuted.
2: Hi, I have a dog. It's over 15 and she's having trouble getting up. Yeah, because as yeah. you mentioned she has the
5: muscle loss in her hind in her, in her hips
3: and yeah. Rear. yeah.
5: So is there anything I could do, any massage that would help that?
3: Or if she's hurting, is there anything else you can do other than the, yeah. the, the On the leg you talked about. Yeah, so I would definitely do that aspirin point, that point um, in the lower leg. Hold that if she lets you. Um, a couple other things that are not massage related, but I have found unbelievably helpful with senior dogs, is if you have a wood or a tile or laminate floor and you're able to get runners with rubber backs – and put those anywhere your dog is going to stand or try to get up, because the the tile floors, the wood floors are very slippery, and they can't get traction. And with weak hind legs, their legs slip out from under them. Um, another product I used on my girl when she was getting older was. Um, it's called Pause. I don't work for them. It's spelled P-A-W-Z. And they are um booties that look and feel just like latex balloons. I think they're like they're not too expensive, like $13 for six of them or something. You're not there they're, they're four outside, they're disposable booties, but what I did with my girl was I put them on her back feet especially. Um, Like if she was eating dinner or if I knew she was going to want to stand up somewhere because the latex gives a great grip and it gave her so much confidence. You just have to be careful with those because then the dog's feet can't really sweat and they need to sweat. But those were just a couple of things that really, really helped Um, another thing you can do just to help with the muscle wasting is very gently bicycle her back legs. You know how, you know, we ride a bike and it's a bend and a straight and a bend and a straight. Do that with her back legs. If she lets you, you have to be really careful because if it hurts her hips, she's going to want no part of it and then don't do it. Um, Another very gentle thing you can do is compressions in the like in her thigh region. So if you put the palm of your hand over her thigh, only the thigh, not the, none of the bones and gently do little compressions like a heartbeat, not, not hard, just very gently. And what you're doing when you do this is you're causing the blood to flow in and out and the blood flow to the area brings oxygen to the area, brings all those great nutrients to the area. So, you know, those are a couple of little things you can do for her hind limbs.
0: All right. Thank you. Next, do we have... This is Andrea. We've got only 10 minutes left and we have to give our closing codes and and Penny, I know, wants some time. This is our last session of the the convention and Penny's last session as our president. Um, Yes. So I think as much as I want Katie to be able to talk to us for the rest of the afternoon and maybe even all day tomorrow... (laughs) um, I think we need to stop the question so we can make sure we have a chance to to wrap up our, our convention business, which we unfortunately are going to have to do as well.
3: Can I just say, this is my last statement. Um, if anybody wants to reach out to me, feel free. Um, my website is the right spot pet massage, all spelled out. And my email is katie at the right spot, pet massage.com. Um, and my phone numbers on my website and, you know, and I'm on Facebook and all of that stuff. But if anybody has questions or anything like that, please, please feel free to reach out.
0: Thank you so much, Katie. This has been so interesting. I just, I, I'm so excited that you were still willing to come and i couldn't believe that we were going to be able to be in chicago with you and that it did happen. i know, I know.
3: <laughs> I told my
0: dog all about you and promised him at least a massage or two a week and it didn't yeah. happen but um right. thank you so much for being well, here thank and you. just this was amazing
3: thank you
0: penny are you on can you do you want to take on your time right now um i think i'm on. You're now. There yeah, you are. No, there you know. are. Okay. You hear
2: me now? Okay. Yep. Yep. Uh, I just want to thank Katie. And I think we're going to be in Chicago. Uh, it's either the year after next or the year after it's that. 2023. And yeah. So I'm sure that GDY would be thrilled if you wanted to come back in person. Yeah. <laughs> we would love that. And we will share your information as well as that from Steve and Aaron. And uh I, I think everybody can probably find Lucas. Um, but we will share all the inform- the contact information with all of our speakers in the next uh edition of Paul's for GDY News you can use. So um I just wanna thank everybody. Uh I wanna thank Andrea. You have given us such wonderful conventions for the last two years. I just can't tell you how grateful we are. Uh, Maria, you're a, a wonderful Zoom facilitatrix, or whatever Lucas called you. Um, yes. And um, I just want to thank uh, our board for the last six years. It's changed a little bit, but a lot of people have been, we've all been together for a long time, and, and we brought GDY back, and that's because of the board and all the friendship and support we had from all of our members. So I just want to thank all of you. And I want to pass the baton on to Sarah. And I know that um, you're going to love having Sarah as your president. And um, I guess that's all I want to say. So happy convention. I think we had a great two days. And uh, I hope we all get to see each other next year and exchange all those hugs and all those doggy kisses.
0: Thank you. Penny, this is Andrea. And as I reminded you a couple of days ago, when a big box arrived at your house that you weren't supposed to know about because it wasn't supposed to get there till today, (laughs) the board and the committee and the, and the conference planning committee on behalf of ourselves in all of GDUI want to present you with what's in that box. Okay. okay. And I know that it's kind of, we don't have time for you to open it, so I'm going to tell you what it is and then you can go and explore it, okay? Okay, all right. <laughs> okay. It is a statue. It's a German Shepherd statue. The statue is lying down. It's made of concrete, so you can use it as a home defense weapon if you chose to (laughs) It can be for indoor or outdoor, depending on what you want. And it's made in Rhode Island. And um, there will also be we've had a wonderful people present um, sending me things to contribute to retirement cards, which will be coming in the mail to you tomorrow. Uh, We just wanted to say thank you for being our president and thank you for everything you've done. Oh, thank you, Andrea
2: and everyone else. That's, that's fabulous. Um, it's been a pleasure for me and, and I'm not gone. I'm still the immediate past president and I'm still going to be working on Paul's and other things. And, uh, so thank you. That was very sweet of you. I do I'm going to go look at the box. Thank you. Yeah. Look at the box. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Maria, can you give us our closing codes? All right. So our closing
1: code, and again, this is five characters, mix of letters and numbers. They're not case sensitive. I'm going to give this twice and then I can no longer give it. So please be ready to take it down. This is again, if you've paid for the continuing education, I gave the start code at the start. And here's the ending code. It is F as in Foxtrot, the number four letter b as in bravo number four and f as in foxtrot again that is f as in foxtrot the number four b as in bravo number four f as in foxtrot that is a palindrome.
0: It is a palindrome. <laughs> Palindromes are the best. <laughs> um, I just, I can't believe it. It it We wait all year and it convention's done. Well, not convention, but our GDUIs programming is now done. Um, thank you, everyone who's been attending. Thank you to all of our speakers. Thank you to the committee and the board. I wish it, it's here Tuesday night. We should be having pizza tonight together. Yeah, I um, wish. <laughs> I know, so do I. Let's all have pizza and pretend we're together. Um, Let's it. <laughs> and uh, be safe, be well. I can't wait for us all to be together again in um, hopefully real time. But I cannot believe how amazingly well this has gone. As a virtual convention, I was highly skeptical. You did a great, it's been fabulous. It's been unbelievable. So yeah, thank you to ACB and everyone who's made this happen. Be safe, be well, keep your leashes loose and step on out whenever you can. That's right. Wearing a mask. Wearing (laughs) a mask. Yes, of course. Thank you,
2: Andrea. Thank you, Maria. Thank you, everybody. All right, thank Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.